Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542, as always, is the number. Or you can send a message to the KPEL app chat. We're going to start our show out today with a guest who's in the studio with us. Greg Logan, City Parish Attorney, is here with us today. Uh, yesterday, I mentioned, it was a story that came out yesterday because there was a hearing yesterday on... Uh, there, so last week we had the story. Mayor President Josh Guillory had uh, filed uh, a request for a temporary restraining order against the campaign of one of his opponents for uh, using language that uh, accused him of being guilty of a crime that has not yet been proven, had accused him of corruption, his administration of corruption. Uh, the temporary restraining order, I believe, was denied, but it, there was a hearing on a permanent injunction, and that hearing was yesterday uh, the mayor president's administration denied that injunction. So, uh, Mr. Logan, thank you very much for coming in to kind of talk about this issue with us, because I want to try to to wrap my head around the issue itself, because the, I think the first thing to note is you're the city parish attorney. You're not with the campaign. So this was uh, a filing from the administration itself. This was not his campaign that was filing this 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 request. Right. No, it was actually. uh it was actually Mayor President Josh Gillery mm-hmm. who filed the uh, petition mm-hmm. uh, on his own behalf against Monique Blanco Boulay. So the administration was not involved, but came out at the hearing mm-hmm. that she's accusing the whole Lafayette Consolidated Government of being corrupt gotcha. and had made no allegations about Mr. Gillery being mm-hmm. corrupt, although we showed her her own Facebook post. Right. Uh, so... Uh, what is, I guess, obviously uh, the mayor president was hoping for an outcome where, you know, basically get her to stop saying in these Facebook posts and these ads and things like that, that he and his administration are corrupt. Uh, what was the judge's reasoning for denying that? Well, the judge started off his ruling, and this kind of explains his thinking. The judge started off his ruling by explaining a high school story when he was a senior in high school he needed one more credit so they sent him back to freshman french and in that class the teacher called him corrupt because she said he was corrupting the freshman so he did not think the use of the word corrupt is always a crime gotcha but corruption has a very specific legal definition in in my in my understanding yes Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, I'm a lawyer, and but I don't practice criminal law. But if corruption in government is not a crime, we are all in trouble. Mm-hmm. If you accuse a government official of being corrupt, you're accusing them of a crime. Mm-hmm. And if Monique got up there and said she doesn't believe corruption in government is not a crime, and she basically said corruption is not always a crime, that shows you what we're about to face if she were to win mayor president. Gotcha. The... The, the one question that has that I, people have asked me repeatedly is when it comes to political discourse like this, is the, they have two questions. One, is this more a First Amendment issue than a defamatory? I mean, it, I know the First Amendment and, def, and defamation both kind of are, are, are in the same family of, of conversation here. Uh, does does this equate defamation? Does this equate uh, or the flip side of that, does this equate to the mayor tres- president trying to uh, squash her First Amendment rights to to make these claims? 
Well, our First Amendment right would be to say there is alleged corruption. Mm -hmm. But for her to come out and act as judge, jury, and executioner and say there's corruption is just not proper. You don't have a First Amendment right to defame, or which is slander, somebody by accusing them of a crime or something else they did not do. Uh, the other question that I've been asked, and, and this is more political questions outside the purview of law, so I'm not sure if if you would feel like answering the question or not, but the I've had more than one person say, is this the Streisand effect? Were people really paying enough attention to what she was saying before the mayor president filed for the restraining order? Is this just raising more awareness to the accusations? Was this a a, a smart legal decision on his part? And I, again, I understand that this is kind of probably out of your purview on that, but it, it's a question that's come up several times. Well, I think um, if somebody accuses you of a crime or even insinuates in political ads uh, that you're corrupt, uh, I think you have to answer that. Mm-hmm. And there's a Louisiana statute that uh, does not allow inter- uh, election interference mm-hmm. by defaming your opponent. We sued under a very specific, I yeah. say we, uh, Mayor President Gilry and his campaign sued under a very specific statute. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, so the it's so it, it's so odd because there's there's clearly I mean there's the the two sides to this. There's the legal aspect of it. You guys cited a specific code. There's also the fact that political discourse in this day and age just is what it is. It's a beast that rarely seems to be contained. How do you, how I mean, what recourse does the mayor president have at this point? Does he get a chance to appeal the judge's decision or anything like that? Is he going to pursue anything like that? Or um, I don't know. With the election being so close, I think an appeal would be a futile exercise. Okay. Um, just I mean, in in your in your opinion, uh, the the tactics of coming out and accusing your opponent of being corrupt. Despite the fact that, I, and I know that you've been involved in this, there's been a, headlines, the lawsuits, everything like that. At no point, nobody's filed a lawsuit accusing him of corruption or anything like that, to your knowledge, right? Correct. There have been no uh, lawsuits or findings of corruption or even charges of corruption. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing there. He testified under oath yesterday. That was mm-hmm. the best. That's what we consider a win. We had mm-hmm. Monique. Blanco under oath on the stand, and when she's under oath in front of the judge, she had to testify that she had no proof of any corruption and tried to talk in general senses of the whole government being corrupt. Now, it's a government of 2,200 employees. Right. They're professional, protected by civil service. Their career LCG employees, that all of a sudden she's accusing of corruption. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not right. It's not fair. And it's one thing if you accuse somebody of something they did, but yeah. there's no, not even an inkling of corruption but for the rumors and innuendos and headlines and in the news. Gotcha. Um, and it, it, it seems to, to come out, and, and essentially kind of the argument now is she's just defamed the 2,200 employees of LCG, not just the mayor president, by trying to say, no, she was referring to the entire government apparatus of the parish, which seems like a pretty, a pretty bold claim in and of itself. Yes. She was trying to say that since Mayor President Gilry's been there, LCG has become corrupt. Well, 2,400 civil service protected employees are not going to risk their jobs by mm-hmm. being corrupt. 
I'm not going to say mistakes aren't made. I'm not going to say there may not be a bad apple somewhere, but those go through the civil service process and are disciplined. There's no sign of corruption. We had one issue they wanted to bring up. We had a golf course attendee mm-hmm. who was taking cash and had stolen about $80. $80. And our internal controls caught it. Mm-hmm. He was disciplined, fired, law enforcement was involved. And that's one of the items she points to in the intern in the uh, independent audit mm-hmm. as a sign of corruption. Well, 2,400 employees, and you have someone do something, and we it was caught. If the system catches it, that doesn't seem like right. corruption. It was self-reported. Okay, so. gotcha. All right, uh, that's that's really it as far as the questions that I've got. Just is there any anything you want to add before we we take our break here about just the whole situation and kind of where we go from here? Well, um, yesterday, as you said, the uh, request for a preliminary injunction was dismissed after uh, Mayor President Gilry put on his case. But we see it as a victory of having Monique Boulay testify under oath that she had no instances that she could point to of corruption. She could only point to news articles. In some cases, she hadn't even read the article that Mm -hmm. she cited to support her allegations. Um, so, uh, it's, it's a sad day when you can lie, uh, in your campaign ads. And, uh, that's, that's my thing. It's the advertisements are not true. Mm-hmm. As I said, she could add one word alleged and then she, she'd be okay. But she is acted like he's been charged or, uh, convicted of corruption and neither are true. Gotcha. Greg Logan, city parish attorney. Thank you very much for coming in today. And uh, giving us a walkthrough of all that. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break, and we will be back. We've got some other uh, local issues to talk about. I told you guys I wanted to talk about. Uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, the short term rental issue. I want your opinion. Let me know two three two fifteen forty two is the number, or on the app. Let me know what you think about that. We'll go into that story in just a moment here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPEL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPEL app chat. Now, I know that there are a lot of people who care about the short-term rental issue, and I have some thoughts, and they're kind of complex. I I don't have one thing... I, I don't really have a side in it yet uh, because on, on the one hand, the kind of the libertarian leanings are in me are that you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't as a government body, you should not be getting involved in, in one's private business and the short term rentals. If somebody has a home and they are renting it out on a short term rental basis, like on Airbnb, VRBO, whatever uh, the government should not be getting involved in that. However, I'm deeply sympathetic to the concerns of people who say we're not zoned for this. We did not move here expecting to live next to a small hotel. We did not move here expecting to, because I know one of the concerns is people who rent these and then parties there. Uh, I, I'm sympathetic to that. I, I know what loud neighbors are like. I know what disruptive neighbors are like. I get that. I understand that. So I'm really kind of torn on the issue from the smaller government perspective, but also the the zoning and, frankly, the the family safety and, and peace aspect of it as well. So I want your thoughts on it. We're going to take a break here in a minute uh, to to uh, 
let everybody kind of get a chance to to call and start sending their messages in and everything. But I know that it is an issue that a lot of people have been actually fairly passionate about. The one thing that struck me, and this is a conversation I was having with a couple different people, uh, is there, how do I say this? The people who are for the short-term rentals, I don't know if they realize they're in the minority. I have a, like I said, I have a sympathy when it comes to the libertarian side of of government should not get involved in business. I understand that. But given a lot of the rhetoric on it, given the, the way a lot of the people have talked about it, it feels very much like the proponents of short term rentals in residential zones. They're in a very clear minority. And I don't I think that they need to understand that the arguments that they are making aren't suited for a minority group. I, I think they if they want to try to convince people, they need to figure out some other way to do it just from the political aspect of it, figuring out the way to convince people to do it. The people who are in the majority, like I said, I have a deep sympathy for. I'm extremely torn on the issue. I, I don't have a set opinion one way or another, and I have friends on both sides. So I want y'all's thoughts. 232-1542 is the number. You can send a message to the KPL app chat. We'll have this discussion. We'll also talk about some of the other news of the day here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Let's take this break. We'll have our commodities report, and we'll come back to your thoughts on the short-term rental issue here in Lafayette back in a moment. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. The number to call in, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. The discussion right now, short-term rentals in Lafayette. The uh, city council passed an ordinance, 4-1, to one, that would ban them. Uh, one of our listeners, Bonnie, on the app chat says uh, it's a zoning right. I believe Lafayette property owners who purchased a single-family zoned neighborhood home have rights to live next door to people they know. Lafayette deserves at least one zone where families grow up next to families. And Louisiana and federal law says short-term rentals are commercial enterprises. That's a really good point, especially the family issue. And I want to talk about that issue real quick. Uh one of the things that I'm probably most sympathetic to, like I said in the last segment, is I'm I'm very, very sympathetic to the family issue because I, you know, I want my family to be safe, but I also believe that it is truly very important for us to get to know our neighbor. I've said this a a lot of times, and this kind of veers off this subject a bit, but several times I've mentioned this. I think one of the biggest societal problems we have right now is that we don't know our neighbor. Even the ones who do live next door and have lived there for years or, or, or have lived there for however many months, we don't know our neighbors all that well. We don't get out and meet them. We don't break bread with our neighbors much anymore. And and the short-term rental thing, I can get you want you want a solid neighbor, 
Uh, you want somebody you know, somebody you can trust. What if something happens to your home? You want somebody next door who you trust to keep an eye on things. This is a very good point. Bonnie brings up an excellent point. Louis, uh, Lafayette families do have the right to know who lives next door to them. I mean, whether it is a long-term renter, whether it is the owner of the property that lives there, I think that's a very good point. Uh, we also have another comment on the app. What are the point uh, to Airbnb folks, I guess, uh, what are the points of zones and wouldn't this be an easy answer to the naysayers? I'm not either for or against, but as business owners, family business, I know that we have do's and don'ts. This is strictly a new business model. Uh, so please tell me your opinions. I would love to hear that from Airbnb owners as well. What are some of the uh, what are some of the alternatives, I guess? Where, where else could Airbnb owners go? Because this uh, this is a, a commercial enterprise. Um, Billy on the app, Billy and Church Point. Uh, it's your house, do what you want, but screen the guests out of respect for the neighbors and after so many calls for police to show up for disturbing the peace, actions need to be done. Another great point. And part of it is Airbnb, the ratings process actually is supposed to help screen for stuff like that. Uh, because not only do you have to give a rating on the place that you stayed in, the person who owns the place you stayed in has to rate you as a guest. So if you have a bunch of negative ratings as a guest, you can be denied a place to stay. That's part of the business model. And and you can't, as a renter, you actually can't rent a new place until you've given a review on the most recent one. And if you get a certain number of negative ratings, you just won't, they won't let you use the service anymore. So there is that aspect as well. There are some screening mechanisms that are built in. Maybe they need more. Maybe there needs to be a more efficient way to do it. I don't know. That's why I'm asking you guys for your opinions. I think that this is a fascinating kind of question and a topic. And it's one that that happens over and over. We've had this discussion multiple times in city government. They've brought this ordinance up. They've sidelined it, brought it up, sidelined it. They've had this discussion now for a while. And the city council has finally made some movement on it. And the movement they made was to just to to ban it in these zoned areas. Um, I would love, like I said, to hear your thoughts. Two three two fifteen forty two. Kudos to everybody on the app uh, who is messaging in. I'm loving y'all's input. Uh, kind of the point of the show. I want y'all's input on things. Now. As far as the business side of this goes, there's another aspect to it as well, and that is the revenue side of it. One of the arguments that I know that that has been made has been the argument for tax revenue because you do pay taxes and fees for renting this place, just like you would rent a hotel room and anything like that. What, what happens to that revenue? Does this hurt the local community? And the less options you have for a place to stay, like an Airbnb or something like that, if somebody is coming in and visiting Lafayette, is that lost income for local businesses as well? I've heard that argument. I I know some people who feel who feel very passionate about that argument because that's that's our tax base that's being hurt by the decision. Are you a local business owner? Do you rely on a lot of tourism? Do you think that restricting the number of places that incoming tourists have to stay is a good idea? 
And again, how do you weigh that versus the fact that most of us are we, we own a home and we you know want consistent good neighbors? That's that's why I have such a hard time kind of leaving the fence on this one. There are some passionate folks in the comments. Uh, there are also passionate folks, you know, out there kind of listening. And and I want to hear your thoughts on it, too. So 232-1542 is the number on that one. If you want to call in about that comment on the app, you absolutely can. I want to take a moment. I want to uh, hop over to the national stuff real quick. I know I said I wasn't going to, but I, I wanted to cover one particular story. And it's not... It's not politics. It's a national story. And I need to find it, it. It was in the Washington Post the other day. And it is, I think, probably one of the uh, one of the biggest issues that we have to deal with that nobody's really dealing with right now. There is a story about teens, teen boys specifically. Thousands of teen boys are being extorted in sexting scams. So it's a it's a national story. It's in the Washington Post, but there is very real impact locally on this because we do need to continue to take care of our kids kind of related to the Airbnb thing. The people who stay next door to your house near your families, can you trust them when you have kids? Kind of the same thing here. There is this growing number of young men, teens, who are getting on social media they are flirting with people they believe to be girls. The girls talk them into sending a nude photo of themselves, and they insist on that the boy shows their face. And then they, um, and then they threaten the young boy. Lynn and Paul were sitting in their Seattle homes one night earlier this year when their son, Michael, a 17-year-old high school football player, burst into the room and made a beeline for his mom's purse on the dining room table. Paul asked what he was up to. Their son paused, took a breath, and leaned against the wall. I'm, ble- I'm being blackmailed, he said. He had been chatting with a person through Instagram and Snapchat who purported to be a 16-year-old girl. She saw his profile and told him he was cute. Michael had never met the person, but the account was filled with photos and details about the girl's life that made it appear real. The two flirted back and forth. The person behind the account was asked to see a photo of him naked and specifically requested he include his face. Alone in his room that night, Michael dashed off a picture he took with his phone. Suddenly, the person who seemed so sweet and fun while chatting for weeks demanded that he send hundreds of dollars through the app Zelle. If Michael refused, the person threatened they would send the nude photo to his family and friends, He tried to set up a Zelle account on his phone, but it required his social security number. That's why he was digging in his mom's purse. He was hoping she might have his card there. Michael had fallen prey to what online safety and law enforcement excerpts call financial sextortion, in which predators befriend victims online under false pretenses, entice them to send incriminating photos, and then demand payment under threat that they'll expose the photos to family and friends. Y'all? 
this is a very serious growing problem that really needs to be addressed. How online are your kids and do your kids know proper safety when it comes to being online? That's, that's a story that is going to hit home for so, so many people. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. and We've got a caller on the line. Mike, I believe that's you on the line. If you'll just hold on a sec, we will uh, take this break. When we come back, we'll talk with Mike on the line. We'll have uh, plenty to say about uh, some more of these topics here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Y'all stick around. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. A lot of folks chiming in on the app about the short-term rental issue. Uh, and like I was kind of suggesting earlier, a lot of it seems to be on the anti-short-term rental in residential neighborhoods Uh side of it. I'm not getting any proponents who are listening or, or sending a message or calling in. And speaking of calling in, we've got Mike on the line. Mike, how are you today? Oh, doing fine, Joe. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you very much. So uh, give me your perspective on on this whole short-term rental issue. The perspective is, is why try and force an issue that's being motivated by outside influencers and certain groups into neighborhoods where they're, the short-term rentals, the Airbnbs, are zoned. They're not zoned for that, mm-hmm. especially when there's HOAs involved you know, and associations. Folks move to these neighborhoods for a reason. They don't want to live next to someone who is operating a hotel next to their house. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where kids are raised, people raise families. And you get into a situation where for the for the homeowners association, it, it can create a, a very burdensome atmosphere where you have um, it, it's creating an environment where security, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's what type of background checks and security are these these owners providing prior to rentals? Are they doing a background check? I mean, I mean, what, what exactly are they doing? You know, then you're talking about liability concerns for the neighborhoods themselves. You know, if someone's going around the neighborhood, if they if they have tennis courts or, or common areas that are available to the to the homeowners, mm-hmm. what if these people get hurt? Then it can come back. It can create an an exposure for the neighborhood. And the neighborhoods aren't insured for that because they're simply not insured for people to operate a business out of the neighborhood, the neighborhood our, our, that we live in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it is zoned residential only, non-commercial. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when you're when you're running and, and the information that we've received from uh, Lafayette Consolidated Government, they do not consider operating an Airbnb or short-term rental Mm -hmm. in a neighborhood that is zoned residential only as a business. So tell me how someone can operate and rent out a facility basically as a hotel 
and they're generating money from that. And Lafayette Consolidation, they say that, oh, that's not, that doesn't constitute operating a business because the actual business, Mm -hmm. the foundation for the business, the office, is located off-site. Gotcha. That's interesting. Yeah, so this creates a whole a whole basket of things that just don't need to be mm-hmm. brought into the atmosphere. Yeah. And no. and it, the main thing is for folks that, that moved into an area, they moved into an area because they specifically didn't want this, and now the government is coming in backed by the influencers in certain groups, mm-hmm. and, and they're trying to force feed that, and it, it's things that just the majority of folks just don't want. Gotcha. All right. Well, Mike, thank you very much for, for calling in and, and filling us in on that. I do appreciate it very much. Oh, thanks for having me, Joe. Appreciate it. Long time listener. All right. Thank you. Love to hear thanks. it. All right. Everybody thanks. who, bye-bye. uh, bye-bye. Everybody who, uh, commented today, Mike, they're on the phone. I mean, you've got, we've got so many uh, folks who commented, uh, Billy, Scott, Travis, Bonnie, all of y'all who have commented on the app today just absolutely appreciate having y'all uh, take part in this discussion because I think it's a very important one. Uh, Mike raised some very good points there. You guys in the app raised some very good points. And I think the, the city council made its decision to, to, to bar this from going forward. But I think it's a discussion, a, lo- a, a part of a larger discussion. And one of the interesting ones kind of tied into the, the, the texting, the sexting issue I was talking about a little bit ago technology has advanced beyond our capability to keep up with it in a lot of these public fights. And I think we're going to have to do a much better job of trying to rein that in, but it's very interesting. The, just how much technology is impacting us at the local level. And we're trying to have to figure out how to deal with that. Anyway, again, thank you guys very much for taking part in that conversation. I learned a lot because again, I've been on the fence. I, I did not know a whole lot about the issue. I did not really have a side in the issue. I wanted to hear y'all's thoughts, and you guys have been very informative, so I appreciate that. Now, it's the end of the show, unfortunately, but I am going to be back in 23 hours to wrap up the week, and we're going to have a great Friday show. Just in general, we're going to have a great Friday show. You guys come back in 23 hours and check us out. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, email Joe at redstate.com. The podcast version of the show, our interview with Greg Logan, the talk with Mike just now, the, the comments on the short-term rental issue, all that's going to be up on my uh, Substack, Joe Cunningham Show.substack.com. All of my writings are there. The podcast going up shortly. You guys can check it out. If you listen to the podcast outside of Substack, like Apple, Spotify, whatever. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review through those services as well. Makes the show look better. Want the show to look as good as possible. You guys have a great one. Talk to you tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL.